Hello and welcome to this edition of What Are You Laughing At? The show that brings you up to date with the latest news about TV, radio, stand-up and charity swims up the Thames. Yep, not content with taking over the schedules for reality TV, talking heads and documentaries, comedians are now expected to be brilliant at sports. But being useless at sport was what turned us into comedians in the first place. Okay, my name's Dave Cohen. Joining me today is podcast regular James Carey, known to thousands on Twitter as Sitcom Geek, and known to loads less, because writers don't get enough credit, as writer for Miranda, Milton Jones, and a zillion others, including, respect, Sean the Sheep. Also joining us today is the writer and comedian Adrian Poynton, creator of the hit new BBC3 sitcom White Van Man, starring Will Meller. Recently recommissioned, hooray, and uh, coming out when? Uh, beginning of next year, really early next year, so January, February time, I'm going to date with Excellent. Filming now. Filming now, so series <laughs> I should two. not be here. Well, yeah. I should <laughs> not be here. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, right, so we don't want writers on set. They it's just get on the change. Yeah. Should be doing revisions. Yeah. As ever, on these podcasts, we are joined by the ethereal, nay, mystical presence of the man with the British comedy guide tattooed on his soul. Listeners, you can't see him, and neither can we. It's Aaron Brown. Hello. Hello, Aaron. And uh, we'll begin, first of all, with some news. We'll begin with a, a swift recap of uh, this year's Edinburgh Festival Fringe. Uh, the English comics are safely tucked up back in London, uh, undeterred by that new £10,000 overdraft. And uh, like deluded gamblers, convinced they worked out a surefire way to make it, already preparing their new shows for Edinburgh 2012. Um there were winners this year, though. Um, the They're all winners, Dave. They're all winners. They officially are, if you went up in the year that the yeah. um, Edinburgh Comedy Award was given to, to everyone. To everyone. Yeah. And that was the year it didn't go up. Everyone. And that was the year that everybody could put on the poster. Yeah. And everyone, that's the year that everyone just said, oh, come on. I know, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Apart from me in London going, what? Yeah. I could have won! <laughs> you've, done, you, you've done a few Edinburgh's, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I've done, yeah, yeah, done mix of plays and stand-up and yeah, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I presume you weren't there this year, were you? No, again, uh, no writing White Band Man 2, um, so no time at all. And, and kind of, that sounds really arrogant, but I don't have a reason to really go up at the moment. Um, I, you know, I, I could get some more stand-up out of it and, and, and have the show, but I don't really feel the draw as much as I used to. Which, uh, that said, every year... With second, it, it starts. My body starts going. Why aren't you in Edinburgh? Can we it's do an a Edinburgh very show? strange reaction, isn't it? Yeah. It's a very twitchy, twitchy feeling when you're not yeah. there, yeah. and pretty much everybody you've ever worked with yeah. is there. Well, the first, I remember the first year that I didn't go, which was the, the first August in twelve years that I spent at home. It was just a, a strange feeling waking up in my own bed mm. without. A, horrible, painful hangover and life actually going on normally and not caring and not having a sort of terribly bad mood or fantastically brilliant mood just based on something that was or wasn't in a newspaper. But to keep up the experience, you just presumably just flush fibres down the toilet every couple of hours just to keep the experience of being at Edinburgh without having to go there. I had a really weird, I have a really weird tale to relate about the 11 years running that I did Edinburgh, which is... You nearly lived there for a year. I do, I do. I've lived 13 and really in Edinburgh which is that I'd never actually lost money um, which makes me a bit of a weird freak I realise wow. Wow. Um, yeah. partly because I, uh, I had friends who lived there so I didn't have to pay £25,000 a week uh, accommodation uh, yeah. but also I did this weird thing was that I thought I'd do my own publicity for my own shows rather than spend £8,000 on posters and PR companies and things so uh, publicity is one of those strange ones isn't it for Edinburgh where Every year when you spend money on it, you do come back thinking, I wonder what I actually 
paid for there. Mm. But sometimes it's evident that you've paid for something. But it, it, it's the ongoing debate. I think people more debate than anything in Edinburgh how how worthy is the publicity. Mm. I, I still maintain that word of mouth is the actual. Uh, it is single the way. It is single most. Have a good show. Way. That's the best seller for a yeah. show. Is a good show. Mm. And if it's on at a half decent venue, I think it will get an audience. Mm. I had like, the thing, a strange thing that happened this year. I was just just mentioned this. Just I, I, I was in the Pleasance Courtyard, as one often does end up there, um, inevitably. And um, I, I tried to go to the toilet, and uh, I don't know if anyone's been to the Pleasance recently, but. Um, even by the standards of people saying, oh, the fringe has got too commercial these days, and they were saying that 25 years ago as well. <laughs> but um, you had to um, to go to the toilet. You couldn't go anywhere at the toilets in the courtyard. You had to go past the uh, the Joe Brand cabaret bar, <laughs> and then you walked down uh, into the sort of the mini courtyard area where there was the Dylan Moran bar and the <coughs> Omid Jalili bar. And so you walk down some steps, and you keep going down and down. And then there was a, there was a, the Jenny Eclair bar, and uh, the, someone else bar, and, and you just keep going down and down. I thought the toilets were actually going to be in Scottish Parliament. <laughs> Finally, found these toilets at the Pleasants, about sort of five minutes walk from the nearest venue, and uh, I just thought, God, God, this really has. I mean, even by the standards of. The, the, the fringe being and, and comedy being defined by alcohol I really mm. sort of thought they've not um, thought that through at all pardon? they've not thought that through at no. all it's just <laughs> a lot of bushes getting peed in around the Pleasant courtyard <laughs> there's probably yeah there, there's probably um, if I'd sort of bothered I, if I'd gone around a bit I would have um, I'm sure I could have smelt the uh, the uh, delicious Edinburgh smell that we all smell <laughs> of, of wheat moving on yes anyway <laughs> We haven't even got to the first point in the news yet, which is the winners of the Edinburgh Awards. Uh, the Fos- Foster's Best Show was um, Bring Me the Head of Adam Riches. Did you see that, Aaron? Or I did, did not. Yeah. Did you know him before? Had you heard of him? The name was very vaguely yeah. familiar, but... That was, that was what it was with me as well. Familiar. Yeah, I, I really like that. I think that's great, because I know he'd done a couple of shows before, and obviously... I've been off doing other things, so I'm not as on the stand-up circuit and, and, and that as I was. But I really like the fact that the award was once again taken by somebody just with a brilliant show performing brilliantly, mm. not your standard kind of, oh, that guy's going to win it, and then it's they go there and they win. You know? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. yeah. That's good. Yeah, so I presume it's got a, uh, there'll be a, a run mm. in uh, London at some point. Best newcomer, Humphrey Kerr? I mean, I, I heard the show is fantastic, mm. but he was in The Penny Dreadfuls. And I've been on BBC Two as Fast and Loose. Yeah. You just think, oh, that's really not a newcomer. Um, but great, you won the thing with a very good show. So yeah. you know, mm-hmm. brilliant. Yeah, and the special panel prize for the wrestling. Now that was, I think, that was a one-off show. So yes, almost certainly. You, did anyone see that from uh, BBC Two? No, uh, <clears throat> it has been recorded by one of our affiliates and will be available in some form. Wow. To watch. Right, online, okay. I believe. You managed to make a DVD teaser. recording sound mysterious. Yeah. They put together a, a quite impressive trailer for it. It's quite a um, teaser for the full spectacle of the show. I saw photographs of it and it just mm. looked incredible. Yeah. It, just, it was like a proper ring with lights and you've got like Maxwell yeah. and um, and Burns, Brendan and, and Andrew. It's just, it's just, just, commentary a, just a minute just, long oh. trailer, but it's just like smash, smash. Oh, yeah, I just, that, 
Yeah, it wouldn't have been one of those things when I was up there, I'd have gone, oh, I'll go and book to see that. Part mm. of me would have gone, oh, that's just a load of the big egos having fun with their egos. But then just all the people that are involved, I just loved everything I heard about it. And yeah, I hope they do something with it again. It sounds amazing. I do think, I mean, it is brilliant the way that, uh, you know, and this argument does come up every year, oh, comedy has taken over the fringe, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, I do, it does, comedians who do go up to Edinburgh, are, you know, who, who do stretch, you know, beyond doing their 20-minute sets at genres or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're, they're, they are doing very good things. And I mean, the great thing was, I, I was up with not with my kids this year, and we went to see a lot of kids' shows, and um, Tim Fitzheim's show was one, and Howard Reed was another. And, I, you know, I remember when, 15, 20 years ago, the kids' shows, the standard of kids' shows was just appalling, really. And it's brilliant that comedians go up and they do different things, and they try different things, and they get different audiences. And, uh, you know, a show like this one, The Wrestling, is a, is a good example of, of that, I think. Um, the Malcolm Hardy Award, comic originality, went to Johnny Sorrow, talking of original people. Cunning stunt, best publicity, Bob Slayer, uh, lovely man. <laughs> <laughs> no, he is wonderful, wonderful man, Bob Slayer. The first, uh, the, the first time I met Bob Slayer, I was doing a lunchtime show down at the Brighton uh, Festival last year. And uh, I turned up at my venue at 11 o'clock in the morning and was just sort of setting up and there was this body lying on the stage. And it was <laughs> basically he compared the night before in the club and hadn't managed to get home. Um, and that's wow. how I met Bob Slayer. Wow, he's old school. <laughs> that yeah. is yeah. a serious yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, most likely to make a million quid, Bennett Abrandroth, mm. son of Giles. Um, Either as a stand-up or as a lawyer. Yeah. yeah. Which he is or as an inheritance. Yeah. Yeah. Jolly good. Okay. Wow, I over the career of Giles Brandreth then a little bit, didn't I? <laughs> He's not made a million. Well, well that's, um, so that's, that's the uh, Edinburgh 2011. And um, I, think we've, I think we've talked... We've talked our way through Edinburgh for now. So um, talking about the new shows that are uh, coming up in this uh, the next sort of two, three weeks, there's a new documentary uh, about Tommy Cooper new footage of Tommy Cooper do you know about this, this? Uh, yes this is um, they've they've got access to the diaries of Tommy's manager Mick Ferry and secured the rights to numerous pieces of uh, apparently unseen uh, footage and unheard audio of bits of Tommy's act so uh, I think that's that's gonna be part of Channel 4's Christmas lineup. It's a 90-minute documentary. It's actually quite interesting to see. Um, obviously, there have been quite a few documentaries on Tommy over the years, but it'll be interesting to see it from a slightly different angle with these with these new um, sources. Will it? I don't think it will. <laughs> I, just, I'm I'm sort of agree with done, I'm done with documentaries. Every I, time I hear the uh, unearthed, new unearthed footage, yeah. I do just sort of go, oh, God. Yes, the new documentary about <laughs> Les Dawson. There's probably a reason had, why it's not been seen They've before, all had seven or eight but, documentaries made about them. You know, I've seen how Forty Towers was made. I don't need to hear again. Oh, just can we please move on and spend that money on making new, yeah. new comedy? Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, though, it will get really big viewing figures and be really interesting. But mm. it, it's sort of remaking the same show. Maybe yeah. I don't know. I've not seen it. That's, maybe that's the a bit um, hard to say. Maybe that. the unseen footage just turns out to be Tim Vine jokes. They've been stolen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. His his yeah. jokes have been passed off as Tommy Cooper jokes yeah. before. Which is, I also I, I always think with someone like Tommy Cooper though you can't you can't uh, revive him enough really just because every few years some people who 
new to finding comedy and mm. um, have no idea who Tommy Cooper was and mm. then to see to see him then you get you get an idea of how so much of what's come subsequently has sort of sort of came from him so I'm I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that if it contains if it contains Tommy Cooper saying spoon jar jar spoon I will be happy <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it ultimately comes down yeah. to he does stand the test of time doesn't he does it, it's a just lot more funny yeah. a lot of it's others, just yeah. funny Channel Four do appear to be sort of being true to their to to said we're getting rid of Big Brother and suddenly the schedules opened up. They are they do seem to be making quite a lot of comedy now, don't they? Various new shows coming through. There's a, there's a current there's a season of pilots at the moment, isn't there? The um, two uh, seasons, Comedy Lab and Comedy Showcase, on, right at the same time. One on Channel Four and one on. Uh, it's a little bit confusing. Yeah, I mean, in one sense, it's great they're just churning out new comedy, which, mm. is, which is brilliant. Mm. Yeah, um, I wonder where the difference lies between the two. Whether it's just me, I, I guess it's the channel difference because uh, Comedy Lab is now E4, isn't it? And, and Channel yeah. 4's Comedy Showcase. And whether, I wonder if that reflects the budget or, or where it, where the line comes between the two. I think Possibly it's an age thing, is it? Age is and it? appeal. Oh, yeah, Possibly. Yeah. I think the. Uh, comedy labs on E4 have been slightly less mainstream friendly. pilot, which was I haven't seen included a sort of Nazi soap opera. Oh, that's the one pasty, I saw. <laughs> <laughs> which was uh, truly something to behold. Yeah, it was. I watched it. Find myself thinking to myself, why am I not laughing at this? Oh, it's because I'm bewildered by the whole affair. Yeah. <laughs> was, it, was it? Was it funny? Um, well, there's the question. Um, I don't know. No, because I wasn't laughing at it. There was a couple of sketches in that show that I really didn't enjoy, and then there's a couple. The the last sketch I thought they did a pastiche of um T four, T four, and and they just nailed it. They got yeah. everything. I, yeah, I had heard that is scarily. It's yeah, bad. it's yeah. it's very. Funny. I, I I was I sat watching it. I was just thinking, how the hell did. Cannibal, let them do this. Yeah, yeah. this is just so. It's just it, it's sticking just the knife into the, the characterisation of the from T four. In reality, just you know, the next day, just walked away. Just thought <laughs> we've been rumbled. That's the end. Know, exactly. It was, yeah, that, yeah, and that no, was really great. And it just showed the kind of potential they had in the show. Then there's. I, saw I, I was surprised at the end that it was made by Baby Cow. It didn't feel like a very Baby Cow show, but <clears> um, I thought that I thought there was some potential in there. Right. Didn't like it. Did if you looked at the cast list. True. Graham Duff. It for yeah. popped in says hello yeah. and left again yeah exactly yeah. I saw a bit of uh, chickens, I didn't yeah. see chickens which didn't didn't quite do it for me but you know it, I thought it, didn't think it was bad I just I, I just like it when girls talk and have characters <laughs> and otherwise it was just three three boys I didn't quite yeah. buy it but did you see Coma Girl then that was on I've the taped after. it not yet seen it it's all right Coma Girl oh, yeah, yeah I liked it look forward to that good. That's, I mean, is there a, there's a sense, we, we were talking a little earlier before uh, recording about um, the, the sort of the relative demise of, of BBC <coughs> in-house productions and um, the idea that Baby Cow are sort of branching out into so many different areas, you know, they, they, they've definitely been pushing the internet uh, comedy side. I mean, is this going to be... Is, is this how things are going to be now or in the future, that the independents are going to be almost become like sort of mini versions of the BBC, producing all uh, comedy in all sort of areas? Possibly. I mean, it's interesting that the, that the, the big brands that are being revived by Fosters, which <coughs> were Alan Partridge and will be, is it? Um, Fast, Fast Show. Fast yeah. Show. Mm-hmm. Um, these were brands that were established by the BBC. I think establishing new comedy with a sponsor straight to the audience via the internet, I think, is 
is an interesting proposition and can be done. I haven't quite seen it done yet. It's a hard um, sell, isn't it? Baby Cow tried it with, um, I can't remember the name of it, it was their show yeah. about... The sitcom. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, oh, it was a family, wasn't it? And, yeah. and it was, yeah, it was, it was sort of about 30-odd five-minute episodes. That's right, yeah. Yes, yeah, so I watched a bit of that. It, you, you never quite got a... You never quite wanted to carry on watching it every day, really, and that, that was a slight, slight sort of problem with it. But yeah, they, they've, they've always been... The pioneers there, but Foster's are apparently they, they, there are going to be more new series or whether they're revivals or not. But that's uh, James's point, it's a really interesting one. I hadn't quite thought of it like that. In that, the only thing they can really sell, and I like uh, what you were saying, it's quite interesting about people like Baby Cow, and I'm sure other companies will follow suit actually producing stuff uh, for effectively themselves because they're not placing it upon the channel, so mm-hmm. going out onto the internet or, or you know, for Foster's. But that only really gets a big audience when it is a returning show like the Alan Partridge ones that they did and, and mm-hmm. um, the fast show will, will be the same and and James's question about whether you could do that to launch new things is it's a much harder sell isn't yeah. it and I, I think it can be done but it requires yeah. more investment but then the rewards are there because you don't have to pay royalties to existing brands and franchises so I mean, I think it will happen I, I, don't, I think it's a when rather than mm. if yeah, mm. it's because, the, because it's just the way people are consuming media is just breaking down with the new generation all the time. It will just have to be done with a big sponsor like Foster's or something yeah. like that behind it to get the kind of publicity it needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the future is potentially on the internet. So I say, Foster's are signing two <coughs> two shows for uh, revival. Is that right? Um, yeah, um, but uh, Last of the Summer Wine. I suspect probably not, but. Um, yeah, we do understand that they have already signed up two further shows for 2012. So if you hear any rumours about people suddenly disappearing and being nestled behind desks writing, it could be their hit 90s show about to reappear on fosters.co.uk. You're being so coy. I literally, I literally, I literally don't know. I literally don't know. Love to know. So then, okay, let's really try and work out who yeah, it is. Yeah. Let's, no, let's make point. a prediction because <laughs> they've got so, the keeping up appearances, show. obviously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Steptoe and great grandson. Bread. Yeah. Oh, oh please. Bread. Got 19 million viewers in its day. Yeah. I'm not Carl Lane's tapping away now. I'm not yeah. going yeah. to cast the first stone against bread. No. I liked it. I used to love it. One of the best theme tunes a sitcom's ever had. Yeah, it's true. My and mom, it was funny. Mom used to love it. It was funny. And, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> to yeah. some people it was. Yes, <laughs> not to everybody's taste. Twenty odd years. Uh, yeah. Ever decreasing circles. That's one. Oh, that one. Boy, yeah. That's a, wow. We are going a long way back for those, and they're definitely with the cool yeah. Foster's brand. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> so I think we're right. I'm I all think, these. I think uh, Richard yeah. Bryce can shift beer. I think. <laughs> yeah. um, so I just want to mention one more new show because. Um, it's uh, it's uh, John Finnamore, previous guest on this show, of course. John Finnamore's Souvenir Programme starts on uh, Radio 4 uh, on the 18th of September. That's his new sketch show. And Aaron, I have to ask you, was that a title chosen by BCG members? Alas, it was not, no. Because when, when we had John, we had a co- he said I hadn't got a, a name for not my show. Right. So I said, oh, well, let's run a competition on the British Comedy Guide forum. So... Um, I'm sure you had lots of brilliant ideas, but uh, yes, there were lots of very good suggestions. Um, sadly, it appears that uh, uh, John did highlight a few as particularly good, but evidently 
some of them quite made the cut with. That's because he's lovely. That's because John's a yes, lovely human being. But regretted letting his mouth run away the yeah. second he you left the room. Never like, know. I will do that. Loves. Oh God, what have I done? <laughs> yeah. So those of you on the BCG who are looking forward to a future career in writing, here's a there's a typical example. You have a great idea, you write it down, and there's hope and hope, and your hopes are dashed. Yes. So, welcome so, to our uh, world. That's what. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Me bitter? No, of course not. Uh, <laughs> Okay, um, we'll come back to some. Uh, so that, that's that's the new shows, uh, and also oh, actually, there's a, also a new show um, coming up on Dave, um, which is uh, Milton Jones recorded live. Now, James, I know how much you get fed up with all these shows of stand-ups and panel shows, especially and, Milton. Oh, yeah, I mean, no. goodness. How do you feel about Milton Jones having a, his own showcase on Dave? About time. Um, I mean, I, I'm a perfect. I'm, I'm a fan. I'm ha- perfectly happy with stand up on, especially on channels like Dave. You know, which have to have uh, a volume of comedy. I'm just. I'm excited about people seeing Milton have a longer, you know, time period because for, for many they'll only have seen him on Mock the Week, mm. just doing those little bits, and then you know. So great. Is in Milton just doing stand up, or has has the this is a this time? is a TV broadcast of the, the DVD of the DVD. Oh, the Mil- okay, great right. live universe. Oh, yeah. part, part one. one. Oh, uh, <laughs> 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 he's, he's subsequently recorded the second DVD, to... which is not part no, two. No, no, I was it very wasn't coming to future. Part two was going to be Earth Revisited. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I was there. At the, I did the um, sort of warm up. I did. I was his support actor on that show actually, and it's a cracking show. It's wonderful. Yeah. But sadly, you're you're not going to be on the, the no. day. Well, oh no, they don't record me. <coughs> no, no. no. Uh, I'm sure that I'm sure that time will come. Very well, soon. who knows? It's <laughs> um, coming to returning shows now. Okay, there's just one show I'd like to mention here of the returning shows. Newsjack is coming back to Radio Four Extra, as a, yeah. an old Radio Seven show. Um, I, Mention this just because it is again. It's it, at the moment it is the one show that is still open to writers who have not yet um, been commissioned for other shows. And James, we we both started on Weekending many moons ago. You tend to tell all new writers whatever style they write. Yeah, to, to try and get if you can, Newsjack. if you can bear it, do try and subject yourself to writing for for Newsjack. Um, I blogged about it recently on Sitcom Geek, so have a look at that. But I just think it's really. I think it's a really good discipline to get into, and even if you don't get anything on, it's still, you, you know, it's like being put through your paces. So even if you don't, you know, finish the race, it doesn't doesn't matter. You'll still be fitter at the end of it as a writer. It gives and you a reason to write as well, which yeah. is a really good thing because that's you know always a nice feeling that you're actually focusing towards something. And if you get one joke on, the buzz you get off that will keep you going for another six months. Yeah, which may not be a good thing in some ways, but um, yeah. but it is it is it's quite. Funny. The only shame is I think it's a shame it's on four extra and not on Radio Four. I mean, mm. I have I heard Newsjack <clears throat> in the last series. This is great. This is perfectly funny enough to be on Radio Four. I don't know why it's not. Well, there have been long battles. I mean, the Writers Guild have battled long and hard um, over the years to. to make sure there were shows that had an open door policy bringing uh, new writers in so ha- actually having anything at all is, mm. is, is, is at this stage Newsjack, is, is a good thing <coughs> sorry is Newsjack the only one that, that, that still has just an open door policy well there, there, are, there, there, there are variations on um, recorded for training purposes and there's, oh, another, yes, there's, that's a new, there's another one isn't there that's I don't know I mean I did recorded for training purposes and that, that has now finished mm. yeah, I, I assume it, unless I got fired and didn't know about yeah. it which is possible I was told that it was definitely going to be replaced so yeah. there was a thing called the headset set which I think was going to be an open door I don't know how mm, open it yeah. was but there's, there's stuff to come I'm sure looking at 
sort of 20 to 26 weeks a year of, of shows, which is not as good as it was when it was all year round and there were two shows, uh, Weekending and Hudlines, but uh, it, it is good. And a lot of people say, and new writers say, well, I don't actually write or care about topical uh, stories, but actually Newsjack is very much, it's, it, it's not really... Doesn't have to be specifically about the news. It it's broad. Be, it's, it's a broad. springboard yeah. you can use uh, to go anywhere, and they have sort of returning characters as well. So, so we all recommend that you try and get stuff on Newsjack. Just one other thing I, I want to mention, um, and it was uh, brought up at the Edinburgh Television Festival. Danny Cohen, uh, the controller of uh, BBC One, who I keep getting mistaken for annoyingly, um, is. Um, I mean. Probably annoyingly for him. As well. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah. He probably gets people most annoyingly him, for you, of course. <laughs> people yeah. sending him emails saying, uh, "Would you please um, look at my sitcom and <laughs> give me a critique on it, please?" Um, Tell you what, that's as good a way of getting a show on as any. Yeah. <laughs> well, in fact, I did get. I, it's his job, technically, yeah, 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 to yeah, a certain yeah, extent. Yeah. Yeah. I got a phone call. I did actually get a phone call um, about um, two days after Danny Cohen announced there were going to be more sitcoms on BBC One. And a man rang me and said, is that Mr. Cohen? And I said, yeah, speaking. He said, all right, okay. He said, I've got a sitcom uh, which I'd like to, um, which I'd like to uh, give to you, please. And I thought, because I occasionally read people's sitcoms <coughs> and give them notes. And I said, yeah, okay. Um, and, and I said, how did, you, how did you get my mobile number? I was a little bit suspicious about this. Cause, uh, and uh, he said, well, I, I rang the BBC and told them that I've got this sitcom and they gave me your number. <laughs> And he said, "Well, you were talking about." Uh, 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 he said, "I said, what? Do you want me to look at the? You want me to sort of give you a critique of the, the look at this?" He said, "No, no. I want you to sort of, um, you know, I want you to tell me if it, if it's good enough or not." And I said, "What's this about?" He said, "Well, you know, it's, uh, he said you talked about it in the news. I read about it in the newspaper yesterday." I said, "Oh, well, that's interesting. What was that?" He said, "You were in the Daily Express yesterday. Your name was given as someone to to send sitcoms in." And finally, the, the, the penny dropped. And I said, "All oh, right, you mean uh, Danny Cohen?" Uh, he said, "Oh yes, that's right, Danny Cohen. Yeah, that's right. I'm not him, etc., etc." Uh, so he, but he basically this man <coughs> from somewhere said uh, had read the. the BBC when I'm looking for sitcoms, and he rang the BBC and said, I've got a sitcom, uh, what, to, what shall I do? And they said, oh, uh, you need to get hold of Danny Cohen. So somehow, because um, my mobile phone number's on a BBC list, <laughs> yes. someone at the reception Some form of pest control. Yeah. 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 What an amazing <laughs> they gave you the, 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 your I'm, number out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to know how, how often they give out Danny Cohen's mobile number. Yeah. I, might, I might ring up and try that, actually, yeah. and say, yeah, I need to talk to Danny Cohen. He's got his mobile number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Um, Part of me says good on that bloke, though, good in, on in, a, in a really weird way. Good on him. You know, at least he's trying. Yeah, yeah. but that's that's um, uh, there's a bit of debate going on at the moment. He's, uh, he he just said we want more sitcoms on BBC One, and we want them by the end of November. Okay, which which These specifically studio sitcoms, aren't they? He said he said across the board. He says you know there need to be more sitcoms on BBC One. Now I'm assuming that uh, he's not going to just get people like that. The person who rang me up who's going to send it, he's not going to get a pile of sitcoms on his desk that he's going to read the scripts for. Yes. Presumably it's all being done through independent companies. But has anyone heard any more about this? Mm-hmm. What I'd heard was that they were looking specifically <coughs> for new studio sitcoms because they felt they were a channel that should be doing good, solid studio sitcoms, but not in the 
kind of 2.4 children, my family, kind of we've got a family in a room kind of sitcom. They wanted to to push and be a bit bigger and bolder and they're a big channel and they should. You know, Channel 4 do very good studio sitcoms but nobody sort of looks at them and poo-poos them and goes, oh, they're studio sitcoms because, you know, we're, we're living in an era where post Gervais's shows, you know, especially extras, I think a lot of people really look down on studio sitcoms just from the general public and they shouldn't and I think they want to readdress that balance a little bit that it, as what I'd heard of, that they were looking for. I, actually, I don't think the public look down on it. I don't think, I think the public just laugh or whatever's funny mm. but I think mm. people making television for the public do get worried about it and critics especially say really odd and stupid things oh, about audio sitcoms. So, you know... They still say, oh, and what's that laughter track that they've added yeah, to it? I know, I know. Haven't they turned they ins- down, they you ins- ignoramus? And everything feels incredibly outdated and... Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have to say, overall, um, with these, we would like more sitcoms thing, I mean, it's worth, I would say, generally ignoring it, um, because he said it when he got the job, and he's reset it again, and BBC One always wants sitcoms, and I'm not saying he shouldn't have said it, I'm just saying, of course they want sitcoms. Yeah. ITV, this... ITV say this about every nine to ten months, and have done for the last eight or nine years. The plan is, though, with this one, as far as I know, he wants to make six and screen them. Yeah, yeah. which would be great. I mean, I, I, BBC One don't normally screen their pilots, yeah. so they're effectively yeah. doing a is uh, comedy showcase season. more... So it's it's really pro on it. Yeah. The stuff that have actually the stuff the scripts the BBC have actually got and the stuff that indies are sending them will just be made as TV pilots rather yeah, than possibly. being done well, as read throughs or. You say that, but um, I, I I don't know how true that is. It might be very very true, but I know of a show that was um, filmed recently by a, a, a quite well known writer that that didn't go to series and um, the audience reaction on it was, was huge and there was a real buzz around. Uh, the beep about it, and it didn't get sent forward to um, to uh, a series. And part of my brain says, "Well, if they're doing this, surely that would, should be placed within that six and actually screened as a pilot and see yeah. how the audience react to it." But apparently, that's that's not happening. That's no, no. And so I don't. So I'm, I, you, you might very well be right. It's, but, um, it's very strange these things, that, and they get changed a lot and delayed and. I do, you just you just keep bashing on with your ideas, and eventually yeah. one will get through. And you just I, I would ignore most of these things. Mm. I mean, as 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 we know, I don't know if you've done much um, audience um, sitcom stuff. Uh, um, again, but I'm not writing was I do a lot of studio warm up, so yeah. I'm, I'm, I have quite strong feelings about what I think works and what doesn't. Mm. But it's it's when the when the the, the translation of, of of what seemed like an absolutely fantastic night of comedy <clears> um, that the. the, the, the fact that sometimes you, you go home and you watch mm. the episode that you're in the audience watching and, and, and the magic has so dissipated. I, I, I describe that as um, it doesn't uh, break through the glass. Mm. Yeah, it just yeah. hits the glass and stops on the TV. Mm. And it's such a strange thing, isn't it? Because I've yeah. been in shows like, like you're saying where it's just the, the energy and the, the laughter is through the roof. And then I've watched on TV and like you said, it just feels strange mm. and it feels... Like, actually, the laughter sometimes isn't real laughter. It, it is. I was there yeah, hearing yeah. it get done. It's strange. It, it's why it's, t- it's taken stand-up years and years. There, there, there have been attempts, as long as, certainly as long as stand-up has been, been around the alternative circuit, to get stand-up on telly. And, it, and it, it, it's sort of taken till now, really, for them to, to crack it, really. And, and it seems the way the way into it was to, was to film it sort of like they film rock gigs. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's and, and 
kind of a number of new performers have, have sort of risen to that really in a way that that the, the old guard maybe didn't have yeah a very energy. fallow period didn't it um mm. sort of in between the stand-up show to mm. the apollo and things like yeah that. and i think maybe that might be there might be a way of doing sitcom that 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 uh that there's actually because the stand-up show i'd forgotten about that mm. that was a sort of a post Saturday night, yeah, Friday Saturday night, and it was it was filmed it was filmed in a studio that looked like it sat about eighty people or something out the back of TV Centre somewhere, mm. and you know, and there were some big names they had on there. It was presented it was by away, uh, it? Lee Hurst originally, then Adler Hanlon, and I think Tommy oh, Tiernan really. took it for a bit. Didn't yeah, they? Tommy all, did. literally all it was it was. They'd have sort of, it was basically a club night. There were sort of three or four acts on with um, one company. But it felt very overlit and sterile, didn't it? It didn't yeah, feel it like a club at the all. The audience couldn't, it must have been quite hard for them to laugh because they were so brightly lit. It was, yeah. it was just yeah. a, it was a really bright it wooden set, wasn't time, it? Really yeah. it, sort of... it kind of worked, I think, because they made, they made the audience quite intimate uh, in on the performance. So it sort of worked. But, and I really enjoyed it. I, I remember growing up, sort of, I was just getting into stand up stuff, and that was one of the things that I really enjoyed watching. And then that stopped, and then. Stand-up was dead on telly, and now it's back, and it's the same sort of format, but bigger and massive. Like you say, it's like a rock gig, and mm. I don't know how that quite affects the actual live circuit. I am um, very strange. It's, mm. but I, I just wonder if you, you know, if you had a similar kind of leap of imagination with sitcom, and that you know, does does a studio sitcom have to have these sort of five big heavy cameras filming every scene, and and do you have to have like how we filmed that scene once we need to film exactly the same scene again because camera three missed somebody picking his nose and shot two minutes in or something. I mean, it just feels like there's there's got to be a, a way that's potentially cheaper of making studio sitcom and also... <coughs> that, well, that I've, an got, I've watched an awful lot of uh, 70s sitcoms and they, they, they didn't do anything like picking up just because the camera had slightly missed something and you can... See people fumbling lines and restarting the line, and it doesn't matter, uh, does it? No, it I doesn't matter. And and yeah. these are often the sitcoms that people talk about as being uh, some of the you know, golden mm. greats. I, I you know, think, I think you've hit a, a nail on the head. That it's very much strongly one of my beliefs that if you're filming a sitcom in front of a studio audience, you shouldn't film it like it's a single camera show which is often mm. what happens you get multiple yeah. takes and, and just because it feels like the audience are only there for a laugh track and actually there's a di- there should be a difference in energy between studio and sort of single mm. camera and just mm. uh, you know and I, I like the fact that it can be a bit more knockabout and, and, and I like the fact it's a bit wobbly and, and that occasionally that, that's, yeah. that's why yeah. and the audience yeah and this is one of my big things that I regularly <coughs> mention on my sitcom geek book it's it's a sitcom the audience know it's a sitcom yeah. And the actors know it's a sitcom. It is a, it is a total contrived conceit that everybody is happy with. And, you know, the audience are happy for it to look sitcom And, you know, and that's, and that's the way it is. They buy into that format. And there's no point comparing it with single camera shows almost. They're, they're very... And there is, you know, there is a bit of overlap, obviously, between the two. But, you know, a sitcom is, is nearer to a play than anything else. Yeah. A non-audience sitcom is nearer to a film than anything else. Yeah. Um, you know, it's theatre... And I just think that's, and I and I think people get very wound up and upset about it. We just think it's just it is what it is, and the whole thing is an artifice that the audience are happy with, and it works because then we get expensive American shows come over here like Friends, yeah. and they make 180 of them, and they're all really funny, 
And it's a, it's a conceit. You know, mm. we know. It's the, a thing, the thing that works with Friends as well, and what they do with American studio sitcom particularly, which we, we've sort of strayed away from a little bit over here, is the majority of it, they film in a studio yeah. in front of the audience. I, I see a lot of shows over here um, nowadays <clears> doing a lot of exterior shots and just, you know, you know mm. walking along the Brighton seafront. And, and I just find myself going... But that's that's a not that's a single camera show. Mm. Do it looks do, different. God's yeah. sake, do two rooms. You've got the flat. You've got the restaurant. You've got your mum and dad's house. They're the three sets. We can see all of them located yeah. in those. And that's, that's the, I mean that was the thing that was striking about. I mean when working on my family, which Dave and I have both done, no location ever for any reason. You're not mm. going to get it. None ever yeah. ever in all hundred episodes. Or in the house. Are, yeah. It's yeah. all in the house. Yeah. You can shoot someone in a car as long as it's at night. Yeah. And that's fine. In green screen, yeah. yeah, that's kind of a cafe studio set. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But by and large, they they never they yeah. never do location no. shooting, yeah. and I think yeah. it works that yeah. way. I mean, that's you know, you think yeah. of some of the bigger, bolder ones that everyone like really loves, like Faulty Towers. Is very li- there is exterior stuff in that, but it's very little. And it doesn't work when they I mean, do it. It's, it's so strange. Yeah, it's, it's that it's great. Like, um, it's the Monty Python sketch. Yes. Yeah. We are surrounded by film. What? And wasn't aware of that until Charlie yeah. Brooker pointed that out on a, a screen work. Right, good. <laughs> yeah, but like Black Adam and that, that is literally only studio, so everything was filmed. And mm. Apart from Series 1. Apart from Series which 1, which, the, which was a movie. Completely different. Yeah. So, um, I mean, just uh, to, to, to come specifically to, uh, to Adrian and, and, and um, White Man, Man now, because I mean, we've. we've so we've, I'm meant to sit here quiet till this yeah, bit. I find it very hard. I, well, I find it very like, hard not yeah, to. Well, we didn't want to say anything. Uh, we, again, before we, we uh, before we started recording, we were uh, James and I were talking about our good and bad experiences of getting a show on mm. from from the point at which you say, "Oh, here's a good idea," to yeah. the point that it goes out. Now, you uh, it took about four years, didn't it? For like, yeah, really. Um, yeah. Obviously, how did the process uh, take place? I'd had an idea um, that I thought. <laughs> I couldn't decide whether it was a sketch show or a sitcom, really, to be honest with you, um, to begin with, where I, I, I like the idea of sort of a workman, whether it was an electrician or a, a plumber or, or someone, just going house to house and, um, and, and and having a little adventure in each individual thing. And I think initially in my head it was a, it was a sketch show that had a continuing character going place to place. And, um, and I sort of pitched that to my friend who, just in the pub one night, who's a, an associate producer, and he took it in the next day without me knowing and, and said to a producer that he worked with, hey, the guy just pitched me this idea, I think it's really good. And he liked it, so I just started sort of doing some work on it on for, for free with, with, with them. Free? A little well, bit well, of what an unusual I know, experience. I, know, but, you know, I didn't know then. <laughs> it wouldn't get me for it now. No, probably, <laughs> yeah. But if you're passionate about the project, I think you have to. And, mm. I, and, um, well, and what, yeah. what kind of happened with it was the more we were working on it, we, we realised actually we were sort of in love with the characters and 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 we were finding more and more characters that exist in the world and we just realised we we built a a world that sort of had a very rough format that that anything could happen because you can go through any door um, and 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 you know when you you think about sitcom you think about your standard location which is often the flat we'd accidentally with ours made the flat our van and the van could go anywhere and and, and do anything and um and and then we just realised we we we'd got that and then. This sounds really like it was really easy. <laughs> Sorry, it really wasn't. And then it, it just got passed up and up the tree and, until it got to executive producers. And then the, the company I was working with, it's ITV Studios, who, who make it for BBC Three, sent it to the BBC and they, they liked it. But I, I, they, they had revisions to, that they wanted along the way, which uh, 
we fought a few of and, and won and lost a few and then but I think the the thing to take from that is that what I did to get it made was I did it I did something it wasn't it's not about you know there's so many writers who sit around going oh yeah I'm a writer and you say to them oh what, what, what have you been working on at the moment and they go oh, I've got a thing and and, and it, it's a case of just really fighting for your idea and, and putting your head down and doing it like actually I said I did a lot it. actually writing it doing a lot of work on it for free for years um, and just being very passionate about it and, and fighting the battles I wanted on it and working out what the project was it spent a lot of time in development developing into what it is today um, and I guess I was sort of lucky in that I, I knew a couple of people who were in production and that way but you know in, there were companies well you made that, that luck by being on the stand up so yes sure absolutely but which, which I, it's I'd not, done it's not that it was your cousin at least I presume no no not at all well there you go uh, my dad yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah he said come on yeah, yeah. that's right uh, but, but yeah, yeah exactly but you, you, you've got to be doing things and got to be out there I, I've got a lot of friends who are actors who are I think even more guilty of this than writers who sit around waiting for the phone to ring and you've got to be out doing something and writing it and if you don't have a product to show people they're not going to come to you mm-hmm. so I, I you know this wasn't the first thing I mentioned to my friend and to other friends and you just keep throwing stuff at the wall is, yeah. is the way um, so the question I was going to ask is I mean at what point because to me, when, when you hear the show White Band Man, you mm. think, oh, that's a show. Yes. The title is genius. Absolute genius. And there's a, there's a long, there's a, there's a whole thing in titles about whether they come at the start. And if they don't come at the start, trying to find a title for something is like pulling teeth. At yeah. what point was it called White Van Man? Was that uh, from the start? Not at the beginning. No. Really? Uh, yeah. No, it was, um, I, it was called, it was sort of originally just set on one estate. Um, with a, a guy who was a handyman who worked that estate. That was that was his his area, um, and and the estate because I'm a Ponce and a writer was called Elysian Fields. Um, yeah. Which in, in Greek mythology I think it is where heroes go to die. Pathetic human being that I am to write that. Um, and the more and more we wrote, we, we realised we were limiting ourselves, and, and that we could have him go to like a posh person's house, and and then you know to a, a council block or to anywhere you could go everywhere. So it just and. And then we realised we'd got a guy in a van, and the title was sat there screaming at us, um, and 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 we all felt a little bit embarrassed it hadn't been called that to begin with, because that's literally what the show was. So things like that were, although although it is it you know it's exactly a it does what it says in the tin title, it was there for the taking, and we just hadn't really noticed it. So I am I, I, it's interesting though you were saying it was you know was it a sketch show or a sitcom mm. thing? I mean that that's that's again that's just a mis- mistake. I think. Everybody makes really. I mean, yeah. we we all make it. Whatever level you're at, you think right. Okay, I want to do a sitcom. I want to do a studio sitcom, and you might have an idea, and you can spend time crowbarring this idea that you've got that you've convinced as a studio sitcom sure. into a studio sitcom type script and do six months work, and then realise oh, actually, it's not a studio sitcom. You've got a the the thing uh, with writing and getting things into production. I think is you just have to let the show evolve and let the show you, you, you still have to firmly let it be what you want it to be and you have to stand by decisions with your characters and that that you really believe in because you know as the writer you know them a lot better than, than other people do but yeah sometimes like you say I, we, I thought it was a sketch show because of what the format was and then the second I looked at all the people in the environment I just, we just went there's, there's, there's more to be had here mm. and to what extent did the because um, I think it's, it's always interesting to me how Shows often end up being successful for sometimes reasons they sure. haven't expected. So you know you get that 
I remember hearing a talk from a guy who'd worked on Friends for a while, and he actually helped set it up, I think. Mm. And that show was predicated on Monica and Joey with a yeah, hot couple. That was the, the original. Was it really? Yeah. 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 And you just think, well, that is the only romantic liaison that didn't take place for really exactly. the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and quite often, the moment you start turning over or you even cast it, you sort of realise that the comedy is slightly in a different place where you thought it was or were there any bits as you were casting it and then starting to shoot it almost where you just thought oh this is you know we make that bit longer that bit shorter because that turns um, out to be funnier or? bizarrely um, the first episode is uh, which we filmed as a pilot a year before the series um, which went out as the first episode and then we reshot a few scenes because they weren't quite connecting um, it, it was still quite a sketchy show in that Ollie, uh, our main character, would get in his van with Darren, his assistant, and he would go somewhere and a thing would happen, and then they'd get in the van, they'd go to another house, and they'd try and do a job there, and a thing would happen, and then and then they'd get to another one, and then I would sort of tie it all up at the end, so it felt like, although they, it, they were having sort of different events. If, if you've seen that film, um, the uh, Quentin Tarantino Rod, Rodriguez film, The Four, uh, Four Rooms, it's all set in a hotel, there's four different stories. It was sort of that format, and I didn't want it to end like that, so I wanted to tie it all together at the end and make it feel like it was all part of one thing. And then when it came to writing the rest of the series, I thought, well, you can't do that every episode. It's just quite tiring. You can have a couple of episodes where you get to a couple of places, but you have to sort of smudge the format a bit. So now when I write it, I tend to have just one house Mm -hmm. per week, and there's a story that takes place in there, and it's now much more driven by uh, the characters and what's going on with them and our series 2 much more is a is less house of the week and more what's going on with the characters And but you still have that element and that's one of the things that really I hadn't really noticed and then just screamed out at me from, from the back of the pilot <coughs> that's, the, that's the sort of tweak that we need to make I mean what I enjoyed about this the, the series was and I think this is true of all, all sitcoms mm. was that, was that you know, the characters immediately were, were, were there and, and Every character, as soon as they're, they're on mm. on screen, you know you know who they are, and you've got a sense of what what they're like. Which is a, good. Again, really that's glad. a lot of there's a, a lot of work, isn't there, to get the characters? But yeah, it's really right. important, and that's why you watch sitcom because yeah. of the characters, not because it's set exactly. in yeah, an yeah. office yeah, yeah. and you like offices. You watch it because you like the characters. Yeah. A great example of that, and another way that the show evolved. I think the first two drafts of the pilot episode didn't have the character of Darren, the assistant, in it. Right. Um, and he probably, he, I mean, he's like the, the, you know, the, the top villain on the show would be Ollie and, and Darren. They're a double act. And, um, and, and Ollie initially would go around place to place on his own and it would be, um, you know, it was about one man's chaos. Mm. Uh, and... I suddenly realised it's very hard to write that as well. Well, exactly. It, it, and, and the, the, we can't the, hear what he's thinking. Well, exactly. And the massive yeah. problem we yeah you couldn't you couldn't hear what he's thinking. And the massive problem that we realised the producer and I had a long discussion about this. Is we suddenly realised that he would come out of this chaotic house and he'd go and get in his van. He'd close the door and he'd have solitude mm. and he'd have silence and he'd be able to take a breath and react. So what you need to do is you need to every time he gets in the van and it's the one place where he should be able to react, actually make matters worse because you put him with the biggest dick on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> so and and then the second we went, oh, he needs an assistant. Um, I just instantly knew who that guy was. That you know he was sort of more the stereotypical um, white van man, but at the same time, just 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 was just someone that would just get under his Ollie's skin and just 
you could see the potential for them to actually really get on and be friends and, and yeah. but just neither of them were ever going to let it happen and suddenly everything just escalated and that's when it really went that's the sitcom that's the that's the comedy rather than the sitcom is how it's I think. funny that you got two drafts yeah. before you find that it's, yeah it it's was it was working but it was really working in a in a in a in a way that something wasn't connecting and it just and, and actually, Darren just slotted into a couple of scenes that were already there just perfectly and just up the ante every time, you know? And I guess also maybe if it's the first long thing that you've written and had produced, there's, a, there's often... It, it was probably sketchy because you, you're familiar with that format and you're clinging on to jokes and situations and set sure. scenes, which obviously you need because you don't have as much confidence in the characters. Yeah. But by now, as you're writing series two you're probably finding that characters are actually talking to you. And that when you're writing, you're actually writing down what they're saying. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think by the end of the... I think, actually, that on Series 1, the strongest episodes are Episode 4, 5, and 6. And it's because by the time I was into them, the characters were doing that. And and suddenly that's when I think, from my point of view, the show really takes off. Um, and, and Series 2 is very much like that, so much so that you have to... Sometimes you come back to it and you think... Oh God, all, everything in the show at the moment, in, in this episode, is driven by the story and what's going on with the characters. Have I peppered enough sort of jokes in yes, here as well? Yes, have some nails in at yeah, some exactly. point. Well, yeah. it's, oh, yes. but it, it, and, and, you know, there's funny stuff happening, but it's all sort of driven by what's happening within the events. You think, oh God, yeah. I sort of need a line that's a standalone funny yeah. line there as well as that. And, it, and yeah. you just have to sort of go back and go, oh, blimey. Well, that's nice. That's yeah. a lovely situation because if right your characters are doing that, and you must find this as writers, then it's... And it's such a strange thing to describe that because you either understand what I'm going to say or you don't. And and it's sometimes I type all all day and, and the characters are chatting away in my head because I put them in a situation I know it's happening. And then the next day I'll come and read it and I'll read it and it'll make me giggle. And I'll and then you, you sit back and you go, oh my god, I wrote that. And you sort of forget that you did. And it's it's yeah. a strange old beast. You it takes of, longer for me to forget, but occasionally <laughs> I read something that I wrote a few years ago and have no memory of writing yeah. it you go oh that's funny oh that's me it's, but it's like you sort of fall into that <laughs> sort of, I, I fall into that yeah. sort of it's almost that, that, that moment between sort of you know you've got to sleep and you've got to wake and it's that moment where you just fall asleep and you go but I don't want to go and count down Carol and then you don't remember where that came from it's, it's that sort of and then you come back and you go oh blimey I wrote yeah. that yeah and to, just to go back to talking about the, the, the casting, I was mm. wondering with, I mean, Will Mallow, he, he does, uh, the, the, the character that he plays, it, it, it's a character that's not uh, a long way removed from sort of characters that he, sure. that, that kind of, that sort of, he does better than anyone, I think, that kind of put upon, yes, you know, he trying to, decent person trying to find a way through and, and just kind of constantly, everyone around him is, 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 mm. is making life hard for him. And he, he does do that. Well, I mean, did you have him? Did you have him? Uh, yeah. Um, if, if well, if you read the BBC publicity, I'd known Will since I was doing warm ups on two pints. Uh, in reality, I hadn't actually met him until we gave him the pilot um, uh, mm-hmm. script. You know, it's good publicity, though, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, Will was one of those guys that I, I I knew he was a really good actor actually, and, and some of the stuff that because he'd done two pints and things like that for so long, I think people just thought of him in very much one. Category and that's what happens. And, you know, you get, and he does it very well. Um, and I'd seen him do the street on BBC One, the Alan Bleasdale, Jimmy McGovern, uh, Jim McGovern that's yeah. right, yes, um, shows. And he'd done a really great performance in that. And, and we just sort of knew he had acting chops as well. And, um, and he was one of the first people on our list to, to approach to do it. Um, 
and and we, we gave him the script who's the first person we gave the script to and he just fell in love with the show in a way that you kind of want someone to when you give them a script but doesn't really normally happen mm. and um, Will swears that it was about five pages eight pages in he was picking up the phone to his agent going right I need to meet these guys um, and and it's because you know his dad was a handyman and he grew up, he grew up very much in the world that I, I'd written so we'd accidentally given him the show that he really wanted to make um, and he's just so passionate about it, and he's brilliant. And he, he brings a lot of subtlety to the role. And the one thing he realised quite early on, and it's very sweet of him, he realised that he's sort of the straight man, yeah. and, and he was happy to step back and let Joel, Joel Fry, who plays Darren, just seize all the all the sort of laughs mm-hmm. and let, let the funny just be. Like you say, he's a brilliant reactive kind of actor, actually. Yeah. So um, we were really lucky with him. He was the only person we just made a straight offer to. Um, and he just, everyone else we auditioned, and he came in and um, he, he thought we were going to make him audition for it. He didn't realise we were just saying to him, do you want to do this? Because we just knew he'd be right for yeah, it, and he no, was. Yeah, he was. And then you, you can tell when you're, when you're watching it, he is the part. It's just, yeah, I yeah. completely believe it. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that I really liked when I knew the show was coming out was I was... And, and when I was showing just friends around my flat so a couple of episodes just to go <laughs> look what I've made uh, they would always say at the end of it oh my god Will Miller's a really good actor yeah, and it yeah. was quite exciting to be able to put him in something that people were going to see a bit more of what he, he had or just that, a slight difference certainly struck a lot of people yeah that's a, very much a comment that I kept seeing recurring Which you, even from people who, who didn't even think much of the show they were sure. commenting on yeah you know how how good Will was, and which is great, and he sort of deserves that, I think, because I, you know, not not putting down any of the shows he's in, because I, I I always stand up for Two Pints and 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 some of the other <coughs> stuff he's done, but um, I think people are just he'd become one of those guys to a certain extent, and Will had freely admitted himself that sometimes he'd walk on screen and people just go, oh, I hate that guy. And they wouldn't really know why. It was almost a Pavlovian yeah. response. Just yeah. you know, he's a good-looking oh, guy, and yeah. girls fancy him, yeah. and they just go, oh. God, it's that guy. I, I think two points, which, I, which um, I've, I've mentioned before. I think that I, I learned to love two points when, mm. when I had a, when I was uh, bottle feeding a small child at sure. eleven o'clock at night and wasn't able to watch with sound. I was watching yeah. it with subtitles and realised what a brilliantly written show it was. And it's uh, a good really, show. it's, it's and, a really and, good uh, show. But I do think that um, the BBC <clears throat> just made people hate it by ha- having it on all the time yes uh, I, I, th- I think it was it was that reason alone that people people use two pints as a sort of a, a, in a language to mean shit sitcom yeah. which which is just purely down the it became it massively bag. overexposed mm-hmm. it became the punching bag a show yeah. always does through through generations of stuff I think the, the cast was Uniformly brilliant. They're brilliant. They're, they're, I mean, you know, um, Sheridan's brilliant. Sheridan's outstanding. Actually, she's one of the few actresses that can just turn tears on like that. I've yeah. seen, and she's um, and you know, they're all off doing doing great other things. And it just became mm. one of those shows that people, you 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 someone, what do you think of two pints, or they just slag it off, mm. and it's almost like ring the bell. Oh, it's rubbish. Yeah. Um. And mm. and then you'd say to them, well, which episode did you see that <laughs> yeah. made you feel that yeah. way? Yeah. And they'd go, I don't like two pints. And you go, yes, but when when yeah, you last yeah, watch yeah. it, how did you feel about that? Yeah. I don't like it. 
had a lot of jokes in it. It's a very, it's a very jokey show. Yeah. It knows its tone, it knows its yeah. audience, it and it goes like. And the thing is, it's not aimed at everyone. Half the people who are slagging it up aren't the people that should be watching it. And that's where, if you can't, just don't watch it, don't. But actually, I disagree, because I mean, of all the people that it's aimed at, I'm almost certainly not one of those people. But. I really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it because it had good, funny jokes and solid It's a well-written show, and you know what, Su- Susan wrote, out of 80 episodes, like 60 or something herself, and that's such yeah. a, that's like, the Aaron Sorkin of British writing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still doing incredibly well on the repeats on watch. Oh, regularly BBC, BBC 3 I understand mm-hmm. Amazing. what if it shifts my DVDs I'm interested in if it shifts money uh, because it's on so much people probably feel they don't need yeah, to buy I think their fan base is, is they're, they're proper fans where they're, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're yeah. in every week in the audience so I imagine they do shift quite a few yeah. Yeah. did you find I mean uh, this is a, again a sort of thing from a stand up point of view the, 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 the transition of writing writing stand up to writing narrative how mm. did how how did that feel as a process for you? I it, I'd sort of always written and done stand up and, and sort of tried to keep them in my head slightly as separate entities um and I went you know I I made short films and and, and written plays that had done I'd had some stuff on the Soho theatre and, and bits and bobs so I'd always kept them quite separate but then I realized a couple of years ago that although I thought that in my head if I looked at my stand up my stand-up was much more sort of storytelling and long stories with jokes peppered along the way that you have to come along for the journey, and that's fine unless you're watching me in a club. Mm. And you, <laughs> yeah, uh, jonglers and me, uh, I don't play them, and that's a joint choice. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, and I realised that actually I was I was doing some not you know not not to anywhere to the extent of what you would in a sitcom but the, there were longer stories and stuff that was a bit bit more it was closer to the writing than I thought it was I thought I just mm. they're different things I'd do that um yeah and I, I just always thought of them as separate entities and how much they are and I think I think you know when you when you write stand-up as especially it's it's the same sort of observational things that you pick up and and you you, you see things you just fit them in, in in different ways um and I don't think I really learned how to write narrative comedy until I started doing uh, the pilot. So we were really writing on it. I thought I knew how to write. Like I said, I'd, I'd done plays and I'd done bits and bobs of stuff and always thought, oh, I'm a writer as well. And then sitting down having to write television and having executive producers go, why just cut out the first 20 pages you've written and start with that scene, that scene one. That's, we're in, we're off, let's do that. And just you sit back there and you go... Oh God! Yeah, that makes loads of sense. Yeah, yeah, oh God! Yeah. And it, and actually, it's strange because when I, I get um, scripts to read off other people, just my, you know bits and bobs of script editing stuff, you, you see the same sort of problems that I was doing. That you just need someone to go. What are you doing? Don't do that. Come but the thing on, is, you still on. but you still do them. That's the thing yeah, that I yeah. find. Yeah, yeah. You know, when when a producer says, "Sorry, why why is this scene here?" Mm. Because I. Is the oh I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's strange because yeah. even even in sitcom and comedy, funny isn't quite a good enough answer. Yeah, it, right. It's well, what's the purpose of this scene? It's bloody hilarious. Yeah, yeah but how is it driving the story on? How is yeah. it doing this? How is it doing that? Mm. Um, and I get quite frustrated when I see um, shows that are say set here and or set there and 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 
and I, I'm really liking the characters, but they're just sort of in that scene, that scene, that's a bit sketchy, and then mm. this scene's that scene, and that happens in that, and then at the end of it, you go, oh, what was the story of the episode? Yeah, yeah it's a it's, bag of bits. Yeah, yeah exactly, and that's yeah. why you need that narrative thing, so you have to look at your scenes and go, what happens in this that makes it, you know, you look at what a producer said to me once, and it's a great thing to think. When you're looking at your script, you have to go, right, if we're over time, um, and, and we've got to have a 28-minute show, and the edits uh, of the rough cut is coming in at 30, uh, 35, 40 minutes, and we've got to lose some stuff, could they just take that whole scene out? Mm. And it would not affect anything. And it's a really nice way to look at your scripts and to, to go, uh, you, you should write yeah. scenes and think, right, I'm going to make this a nightmare for you to edit out yeah. or to edit around because it it, it's got a purpose yeah, and it's yeah, good yeah. for the character and that. And I think that's, a, it, that's one of the things that really sticks with me when I write. Yeah. Well, consequently, editors hate you. Yes, no, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> they do. Yeah. <laughs> and have you got any other projects uh, lined up? Uh, yes, I've got... Um, you can tell us about it. I'm trying to think what I can tell you about. Us now. Um, I want to tell you about that, but I'm, the contracts I'm with signed, so I can't yet. Um, I can't tell you about any of them. I've got. Are yes, they comedy, okay. ba- comedy based? Um, yes, telly? largely. Like, okay, I've got numerous projects um, in various stages yes, of development. Yes, there's uh, two comedy shows in various stages of development. There's a couple of scripts on another comedy show possibly happening that isn't uh, for my creation that I might be writing, and there's. Stuff film script as well, ah, uh, but that will never get made. That's the one yeah, that sits, yes. you know. That's that that you know. It's with a company. They're going, oh, it's lovely, very good, very good idea. And in two years' time, I'll be using it to stop a table wobbling. But hey, that's the way it works. But yeah. it's good. And it's something to send out when somebody contacts your agent and says, yes, exactly. "Do they have a film script?" I had that exact conversation with my exactly. agent yesterday, where I said. I should probably write a film script because you keep getting asked. Oh, yeah. Does he have a film script? Yeah, yeah. He is away for two weeks, though. <laughs> um, but we'll send it when he gets back. <laughs> ah, type, type, type. <laughs> so when when can we expect to see the uh, TV show starring Adrian Quinton? Oh, God. I am starring. I don't know. It's really weird because I sort of always thought that as a performer as well, I'd really want to do that. And and the more I, I'm really so in love with writing more and more at the moment that I'm I'm just happy in in series one of White Van Man and, and in um, series two I'm just in like one episode and it kind of is satisfying enough for me in a weird way. Um, I, yeah, I play a, a policeman in the show. And I remember rather cleverly um, sort of approached the producer and went, you know, well he, he sort of came to me and said, Are you going to do anything in the show? And I thought about it and I thought, well, I could that guy, I could do that. And then I thought, that's quite good because it's a policeman. And we, and I work on with the show with um, what I call the Springfield rule that if you have a, a like in the Simpsons, if you have a doctor and you need to go and see the doctor again, it's nice if it's the same doctor. Or so I thought, well, I probably need a policeman again a couple of times. <laughs> so, so I could probably get an episode a year out of this, and that would satisfy me. And I just thought. For that, as a as a first show, it was a, I really wanted to really get the writing correct, and and you know, series two, which we're filming now, the BBC gave so little time when they said they wanted it by, and I think I wrote the series in about ten and a half, eleven weeks, which is six episodes, and that's that's a pretty tight going. So now, Blimey. I know it's I know it's ludicrous. Wow. Um, so we're filming now, and I'm still I like to when we're filming be doing revisions and the, the rule is you know it, it ain't finished writing on the scene until the scene is shot really you know you can still make little tweaks and that mm. which the production company loved me for but you know you can still add stuff in and so I, at the moment I really like the fact I can be doing that I don't know if I'd be able to do that if I was on set acting as much mm. but 
you know, maybe maybe I'll do a small part in another thing. But yeah, I'll always be a performer as well. Jolly good. Well, Adrian, thanks very much for coming in and talking to us. And uh, White Man Man is uh, series two is is coming out in the new year. Yeah, yeah we think it'll be so January, February. Series one's out on DVD. If you've not seen it, it's good. Yeah. Um, yes, yes in, that's out now, is it? Uh, yeah, it's out now. Yeah. You can get it in all available shops. Perfect. And, and iTunes? Can you get it on iTunes? Yeah, you can get it on iTunes, I found out the other day. So, yeah, yeah, which, yeah. Is, yeah. which is a really good way to do it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. A perfect Christmas present. Uh, give people a taster for Series 2. If you decide not to give them Series 2 and Miranda, you could give them Series yeah. 1. Hey, you should do both. I think through yeah. iTunes, you get them quite cheap. You should definitely do both. Yeah. Series 2 and Miranda. Something for everyone in the yeah. family. Yeah, okay. that. Of course, not very much so for everyone in the family. Very yeah. much. Not forgetting the kids, of course. The horrible histories series four <laughs> oh, coming yeah. out in uh, May next year. So um, yes. Yeah, so have you just got the, sorry? Have you just got the League of Gentlemen to reform to do? Uh, not me that, personally. That that, no. uh, oh come on! It was it's, you. It was it's you. astonishing the number of people who uh, who say you know. Oh God, I love horrible histories, uh, and these the people are going up. I sort of say not so much to, to myself, but to, to the actors and mm. and. and, and Jesus, can, can I be in it, please? That is, that's incredible. And, uh, it is. It is uh, amazing. Yes, League of Gentlemen are uh, reforming a, a one-off. Is Jeremy involved? I saw Jeremy Dyson. I, 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 I think his script might be a bit not, macabre. They're not, they're, not, they're, they're, not they're not writing. They're not actually writing. writing from, but, uh, I thought it'd be a whole Black Death thing for them or something. And trying someone as a witch. I don't know. It's lovely because they're of a generation now where they've got kids themselves and things like that. So, of course, their kids are obsessed with it. It's beautiful. It's a great show. I'm so glad you're getting into it. It's very, very, I mean, very pleased to be involved in that, really. It's always kids' shows I ask you about. When I script edited Giggle Biz starring Justin Flair, I was an instant celebrity with all of my. Oh, but he's, I'll, I'll he's the Tom Cruise <laughs> of the, the yeah. TV world. And if you don't have kids, you would literally never heard of him. He would not be on your radar at all. Oh, he is. Yeah, but he know, is CBS. He, he is God. In, so yeah, yeah, no. But I mean, sort of, I don't have kids. <laughs> How do you know that? I, I, just, I know. I don't know. I don't know because he's yeah he's. Uh, He's sort of 28, 30 odd years of, 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 um, of, of stand up and writing for, for successful shows or whatever. I've never had this sort of adulation that I've been getting from. Uh, certainly, when I went into my, my, my son's class, uh, he's, he's eight years old, to talk a little bit about, about um, horrible histories. And when they found out, you know, oh, that, that I wrote some of the songs on it, I mean, they were just. Um, my, my son became the coolest kid in the class mm. because of it. It's been, it's phenomenal, really. This is this has turned into a massively extended plug for uh, <laughs> White Van Man, Miranda, and Horrible Histories. Adrian, thanks very much for, for coming in and uh, telling us about the show. Available on uh, DVD, Series 1 available on DVD now. Series 2 coming out on BBC3 in uh, January next year. James, thanks again uh, for coming, and Aaron as well for uh, looking after the proceedings. And um, we'll be back again.